0: A little children. Has this ever happened to you? I mean, or have you ever seen this happen? If you have maybe a, a, a nephew or a niece, or you happen to be around little children. If you're a parent, if you're a mom or dad, I'm sure you know what I'm going to talk about next. Where, I'll, I'll do this in this way. Um, you know, when 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 my children were little, um They're a little bigger now, so my oldest Hudson, he's 13, almost 14. I mean, it's like almost almost 14. In a few years, I mean, he'll be off to college. That's amazing to me. Uh, But when he was really little, more like five or six, um, and Elizabeth was even little, you know, smaller than that. Maybe like Elizabeth would be three, Laura would be six. That's what would be a seven around that age. um, One of the one of Hudson would get something in his head. (laughs) He would say something like, "Let's eat pizza." And, and he'd want to get pizza, or he'd go, let's go to McDonald's. And, um, and my wife and I, would be planning, we would, we'd want to do something more than that. We'd want to give them something more than that. We would have a plan. And then he would say, McDonald's. And then as soon as he said that, Elizabeth would hear McDonald's, and then she'd go, okay, I let, and she'd get really in, into McDonald's. So, so she'd have it in her mind, we're going to go to McDonald's. She'd get all excited. She'd start thinking about the French fries, and she, she'd get all um, jazzed up just because her older brother mentioned McDonald's. And then when my wife goes, no, we're not going to go to McDonald's because we, like, we want to go to a better place. We have a bigger plan. She would, she would start to complain <laughs> and start to pout. And because, well, because she's a dumb kid. <laughs> she's a dumb thir- three-year-old. She heard something from someone else, a bigger person, her brother, a cooler person, and just because he, he mentioned it, now, in her mind, she's fixated on the glory of French fries, okay? And so in order for her, the next few hours of her life, to be joyful, it's, it's like French fries and chicken nuggets is, is the thing that she's fixated upon, okay? And when we say, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to go to, you know, this, this uh, we're going to go to this really nice Chinese restaurant. I don't want Chinese food. That's what she would immediately say. I want chicken nuggets, and, um, and my wife would look at her and go, just be quiet. <laughs> it's like, be quiet. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. And we'd just dismiss her, like, be quiet. And then she would get pouty and, and, and annoying for a little while. And we would just say, go away. And, um, and then we would just ignore her, basically. Because she got this little idea in her head. And then she got a little plan formed that in her mind for the next three hours, the next two to three hours, it's going to be filled with enjoyment of French fries, Soft serve ice cream and chicken nuggets, and and Ronald McDonald and all the other jazz, and in our and but we're like no, you haven't experienced the the, the more the glorious food of Chinese food here. We're no, that's where we have a bigger plan for you, and we would go, we would haul into the the minivan, and then I would start you know driving toward the Chinese restaurant, and the whole time she's like this annoying little brat. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, of course, Hudson and Laura, they're rolling their eyes because they know that we're, you know, they got so, they got something better going on but while their little sister is being a little snot. Now, you guys, are you familiar with this story? You guys ever know what this is like? Um, everybody has certain things in the world, these little glories, beauties, enjoyments, these are the things that give us happiness. These are the things that make our hearts feel like we're not just ants roaming around the earth, and then somebody steps on us. Okay, that there's something in life that fills us and makes life meaningful and joyful. And the word that the Bible uses for this is glory. Glory. I mean, we don't. That's like, that seems like a religious word. <laughs> uh, it's not a religious word. <laughs> Glory means that which is worthy, that which is beautiful, that which is compelling. That's what glory is. And the fact is, whatever you believe that to be in your mind, that is what your eyes, your heart, your life is going to be fixated upon. That's whatever glorious thing that you think is important for you, that's, that's where you're going to set your life on this. You're going to set your plans on this. You're going to look forward to this. And if, you're, if, you're, if your life starts moving toward this in, the, in your plans and you get closer to this, you think you could, oh, I'm going to get happier and happier. Okay, okay. But if it seems like you're not going to get it, your, your hopes, especially your hopes, start rising, rising, rising on this, and then it, it doesn't seem like you're going to get Then oh then there's great disappointment. You're going to feel like your, li- your life is going to be shipwrecked. You start getting sad. And actually, it can happen in the simplest little way, like chicken nuggets. <laughs> because when you're three years old, um, chicken nuggets is a really big deal. <laughs> All right? It is. I mean, you, you, okay, maybe you don't know this. Maybe if you're, you don't remember what it's like to be three years old. But I assure you, to a three-year-old, McDonald's chicken nuggets is a glorious thing. <laughs> and, um, and if you say, we're going to go to Burger King, there will be a fight, <laughs> OK? Because you're breaking glory. That's really what you're doing. I know that sounds really silly. But as you grow older, um, you have plans, and your glories start getting a little bigger, a little, a little bigger than, than uh, chicken nuggets. Uh, we got some of our younger brothers and sisters here. When you start hitting a teenager, before you, had, you didn't care how you smelled <laughs> or what clothes you wore. But all of a sudden, it matters very much how those of the opposite sex perceive you. Um, one of the pastors that I, I, I like to cite regularly in, in if you come to our church is, is, a, is a famous pastor in New York called Tim, Timothy Keller. And he talks about how once he said in a sermon... You talk to a teenage girl, and he, was, he mentioned this girl that was in his church, and she seemed really sad. She was 16. And he said, why are you sad? And she said, because nobody has asked me to the prom. And then he said, and then he said well, you know, the Lord still loves you. <laughs> and then she said, yeah, but what, what good is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, but what good is that when, when you have no date to the prom? Okay? Can any of you relate to this? When, when you're about 15, 16 years old, the most glorious thing is being presented to you on Sunday morning. The God of the universe has loved you and has paid a tremendous price. He's come, Emmanuel, broken into the screwed up mess that we call life and history. And but, but, but if you talk to a 16-year-old girl where, where the prom is around the corner and she's got no date, I mean I mean what good is that? <laughs> because the glory that her life is fixated upon is how pretty she's gonna look, how radiant she's gonna be, how hopefully there'll be some hot stud at school. We'll ask her out, not 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 the, the weasel weakling, nerdy guy, <laughs> you know, that nobody wants, pimply faced guy, but the, the studly guy with the broad shoulders. That guy, that glory is where her eyes are set. Hmm. You guys all know what a horizon is? And so a horizon is as far as you can see. Hmm. And so you go to the beach, and you go look out in the ocean, and, you know, you can only see so far. Hmm. Um, Have you guys ever been to Texas? Anybody ever been to Texas? So you just drive through Texas. They say that in Texas, the sky is big. You know why They, they say the sky is big? Because the place is completely flat. It's crazy. It's crazy flat as a pancake. And because of that, you can see really far. <laughs> it's really wild. You can see really, I was like, wow, this is really crazy. It feels like there's less ground here and the sky is humongous. Because, you're, the, it, the, because of the way the landscape is, your horizon goes very far. But if you are a sinner, and that all of you, okay, if you, if you weren't sure about that, that's all of you. You live in a fallen world, and your life, your, your perception of what is beautiful and glorious is really broken and messed up. You really do only see as much as, as, a, as a pimply-faced boy who can ask you to the prom or to a chicken nugget. <laughs> and as you grow a little older, things like hmm, I'm, a, I'm driving a Honda Civic now, and it's old and broken down, and hopefully I can get to the BMW. <laughs> you get a little older, you, you, you start worrying about what school district your kids can go to, because now it's important that your children, it's not, so your glories are fixated upon, and you know what? That's as far as you can see. That's your horizon. That's what you see. That is what you see. You don't say anything more than that. Um, Let me just say a little something to the young people today. If you are below the age of, hmm, let's say 35, okay? If you're below the age of 35, you are told from the Bible that you are blind. But you don't believe it. I mean, you really don't believe it. (laughs) You trust what you believe. You're like, I've experienced it. I know what I want. And all the things that you want, it means your horizon is set... You're incredibly nearsighted. You do not see the big sky. You, know, you, you don't even live in Texas. You're, you're super nearsighted. You see these glasses here? You're, you're, you have, like, your, your glasses are, like, super thick, and all you can see is things about this close to you. And the things that you see this close to you are things like chicken nuggets and BMWs and SAT scores and the clothes that you wear. That's how you operate. Your horizons are, are close. And if you grow a little older, when you go 40, 45 or so, and especially if get to about 50, you know what starts to happen? Your, your horizon will start to get a little bigger. Because you know what will happen? Is things like chicken nuggets and BMWs won't matter. Or at least, hopefully, they won't matter. If they still matter to you when you're 45, 50, 55, that's kind of sad, quite frankly. <laughs> okay? Uh, and here's why. Here's why. Because, because um, the world will start to disappoint you. That's why. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll eat chicken nuggets, and then you'll eat better Chinese food, and then you'll eat really good Mexican food. And then you'll, go, you'll, you'll start, going to the, you, you start going to the $10 Mexican food restaurant, and then when you start having more money, you'll go to the $20 Mexican food restaurant if there is such a thing, but there probably is. And you're going to go, what? It doesn't taste that much better than the $10 Mexican food restaurant or the $5 Mexican food restaurant. Then you're going to go, oh, let, let's graduate to steak. Let's gra- you're going you're to just start chopping everything up. But actually, after you get to a certain age, and especially in a city like this, where people do make the money and they do get to the career, you know what happens? Disappointment. At the 45, 50, and you're like, is that it? That's it. And then other things start to happen. You have your friends. You know, your wife, you thought she was so hot when you asked her to marry you. Hmm? And then 20 years later, you're starting to sag, and she's starting to sag. You know what starts to happen when you to your mid 40s and 50s people start to die your parents your friends i'm i'm in my early 40s and i know people have been divorced and the kids the kids are angry they have like three kids one angry kid one sad kid and one kid who's neither sad nor angry, they're kind of, but they're kind of blank, emotionally kind of flat, because you know what they're doing? They are trying to suppress all the glories, because this is what we do. You start going through your life, and when the glories start to disappoint you, you start to suppress them, because you, you used to put your hope in them. Oh, oh, the chicken nugget's going to make me happy, and it does for about 30 minutes. That romance thing was really great until she broke your heart or until you got married. And then like, then you start hanging out with your friends like, oh, now she doesn't, like, okay, whatever. <laughs> That's what starts to happen. And I'm not trying to make all you young people depressed, but I'm actually doing you a favor. I'm trying to like, ch- change your vision, pop. Because right now, as long as your horizon is too nearsighted, you're too fixated. And if you live in this country, and especially in a city like this, you have more opportunity afforded to, to you than pretty much any other country. And so, the Bible puts it this way. There's this old guy named Simeon. And he's being offered the consolation of Israel. We don't even have the consolation of America. We just have the consolation of my life. It's not, it's not a consolation of a we. It's a consolation of a me. Your life is just very... We tend to be very claustrophobic. It's like if your room, that's as far as you can see. Your life is like that. It's about me. But if our lives are only about me and all our little glories, guess what? You will soon be very disappointed. Just wait. This this is probably one of the things I see. If you can't get... Young people to come to church, I just, I just wait. Wait till they're 35 and 45. Wait till they get divorced. Wait till their career. Wait till their career crashes out on them. Or how about this? You know, there's actually two tragedies in life. You know this? Not getting what you want. And there's another tragedy. Getting what you want. Do you know that? not getting what you want, and getting what you want. You're like, wait a second, Pastor. Doesn't that encompass everything? Yeah, it does. You don't get what you want, so you're disappointed and sad, and you're twisted out behind that. And then you get what you want, and you think that's going to fill your cup, and it's going to overrun. But you're going to find out you get what you want, and it disappoints you. So I just wait. The guy who got divorced, or the guy who got the hottest wife. But by the time he's 45, he's bored in his marriage, or he's wrecking his marriage. And then when he comes into church, he's like, ah, now you're ready. Glories and the horizon of, this is part one of the message. You know why I have to tell you all this bad news? Because if I don't tell you this, now you're not ready to understand this passage now let's get to part two you know what this passage is about it's about seeing the glory of God that's what it's about there's an old man his name is Simeon he's being led by the Holy Spirit that's God you're like I don't really know what that's like pastor okay that's fine he's being led by the Holy Spirit he's an old man now and he has been given a promise. The promise is that he will see the Messiah. He will see God's glorious work. The most important promise that God gives to a broken people. Now, let me just say a little something about Israel. At this time, Israel is a crushed and destroyed nation. <laughs> I mean, uh, we don't, it's hard for us to relate to this because we're Americans And nobody's going to come and destroy us, at least not anytime soon, because we got the Marines, okay? All right? But um, if you've ever been in a country that's been crushed and destroyed, that's a really broken people. Most of them are poor. They're not powerful people. And they may have set their lives upon various different little glories, but this guy, Simeon, he's already been through all that. He's already been there, done that. Two tragedies in life, not getting what you want. <clears throat> Man, our country is destroyed. And I am probably, he's probably poor. I've seen my people imprisoned and slaughtered. My loved ones have died. And maybe he has a good marriage. Maybe he has healthy kids. Maybe they have like four or five kids. They had a lot of kids back then. We didn't have modern medicine, we had five kids. One of them died before the age of one. One of them was killed in war when he was 22. And he had two daughters. One of them had four children and has a good marriage. The other one got married, her husband wasn't so great. And she couldn't have babies. And after about a few years, her husband left her. And the fifth one, and the fifth one wasn't too smart because he had some kind of learning disability. That's what we call it today. And is was a little bit physically disabled. But this one had joy. And he's an old man. And he's still taking care of his son. But it's actually his son who's actually not what we would call a normal person, is actually the most joyful thing he's ever had in his life. And now he's lived a full life, and his wife loves him. This is life. This is a normal life, guys. This is life. And that's how I imagined this guy Simeon to be. And yet, somewhere along the line, he knew that there is a tragedy of not getting what you want, and the tragedy of getting what you want and then there's a third thing which we don't understand. See, there's a third option. There's a consolation from the Lord. <laughs> there was a promise, a, something that only God can give you. A glory which goes beyond all those shiny things that we want in this world. The bling bling of your money and of your success. The bling bling of having a really good-looking husband and of his success. Or of the the bling bling of perfect kids with perfect SAT scores and perfect son-in-law and daughter-in-law and perfect little grandchildren. There's something more than all these things. And the Bible calls it the consolation given to his people, and his people called Israel. That's what it is. And this is a great promise. All throughout the Old Testament. Now, I don't know how many of you have read throughout much of the Old Testament. I just taught a class on how to read the Old Testament. So it's really fresh in my mind. Let me just give you a quick little summary of the Old Testament. Human beings seek hope in their life through the things that they find glorious. And they hate God. (laughs) If they can choose any other glory and they think that this will fulfill my life, they will always choose that over God. (laughs) Hence, they're wicked, even though God chose them. So the Old Testament constantly calls Israel, this is God's chosen people, the children of God's incredible chosen man, Abraham. These are his chosen people. These are the so-called godly people. Okay, These are the so-called godly people. If, if we can kind of like, you know, use language, they would be the church people. <laughs> they would be the so-called godly people. The godly, this is the godly people. I'm not, I'm not even talking about the pagan people here. So the pagan people are just clueless, okay? The so-called godly people are supposed to know that God is their glory. But the Old Testament says constantly again and again, they choose someone else. They choose their little glory. Until it fails. And so you know what God does? God does what I do as a father to Elizabeth. I just go, okay. I just go, he does usually one of two things. He ignores us and he breaks the plans. He breaks our plans. And throughout the history of the Old Testament, you know what he did to Israel? He breaks them. Because again and again, they say, if we will be rich and if we will be powerful, then our lives will be full. And God says, no, actually, if you have me, Even if you are poor and downtrodden, you will have the glory that matters forever. And so he breaks their plans. Some of you, as you seek 2015, maybe you had a really hard 2014 and you had certain plans. Maybe it was really hard. Maybe your parents are on the verge of divorce. Maybe you have a loved one. What's cancer? Um, maybe they're a little smaller, right? Your money situation isn't working out so great. And you're sitting going, "Where's God? Where's God?" And you always think, "He doesn't love me." And if that's how you're thinking, and I don't mean to be insulting about this, you're doing the Elizabeth thing. (laughs) You're sitting in the back seat going, Daddy doesn't love me because we're not going for chicken nugget. It's like, Daddy has a better plan than that. And he loves you more than your small glories. And while we're hurting, because now we're finding out that the world, the fallenness of the world will disappoint you, You know what you need? Comfort. Consolation from God. All throughout the Old Testament. These are the promises. Just here. Isaiah 40. This is what God says to the Messiah. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Isaiah 51. For Yahweh comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places. Because that's what it is. Zion is Israel. And she's full of waste places and makes her wilderness because that's where we are. We're in a wilderness. But God will make it like Eden, like a paradise. Her desert will become like the garden of the Lord. And joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the voice of song. This will all come from the Messiah. That's the promises of God. These are all the prophets say. And you know what? Israel, for years and years, they've been hearing this. And especially when they are broken and downtrodden and poor people. Some of them, you know what they start realizing? You know what? I used to put all my hope in the money or my health or my success or my kids' success. But look at us now. We don't even have hope for this stuff because the Romans will kick us around. Our life is going to stink. We will have it hard. What if that's your whole life? Hmm? Does that mean your life has to stink? Does that mean there's no consolation? Hmm? You know, um, let me go to the final part of my message. There's a consolation. And it's a consolation from God. It's a consolation that comes through the gospel. The gospel, which is a presentation of good news. And you won't hear it as good news until first I pop all your bubbles (laughs) and let you know that you're incredibly nearsighted and claustrophobic. And now you're saying, is there a consolation? There is. Hmm. Um, Here's what the gospel shows. In this passage... Joseph and Mary, they come to the temple. They bring their oldest son, their only son. <laughs> I'm not even sure if they're, they probably just got married. They bring him. The first son is supposed to be dedicated to the Lord and temple. And you're supposed to do? You're supposed to offer, offer a sacrifice. The sacrifice is supposed to be significant. And the, and the, and the best sacrifice would be a lamb. But those who are poor can't. And you know, so if you notice, you know what their sacrifice is? Two turtle doves. That's like, you guys are. You know what a turtle dove is? It's like a dirty little pigeon. <laughs> you guys ever seen pigeons? Are they popular birds? You can go to the temple. You can buy two turtle doves. That's the cheapest, lowest thing that the poorest, weakest people can give that's what Joseph and Mary give they come in they're a weak and nobody people if you met Joseph and Mary you wouldn't know they were Joseph and Mary (laughs) they'd be nobodies they come into the temple they give their poor offering because they're poor people And they're not going to live fancy Silicon Valley, you know, get-rich-perfect-health-lives. No. And then they come to dedicate their boy, Jesus. And then you know what happens? And then an old man walks into the temple, sees this kid, comes straight up to him, picks him up, and he starts to cry. And then he says this thing Lord, now I can die with deep peace. Now I can be filled. <laughs> because now I've seen your consolation and your salvation. And you know what? This is really interesting. It says later in the passage, Joseph and Mary, this old man walks in. He says this thing. He has this great reaction. And they marvel. In other words, they're shocked at what he says. And every time I read that, I'm thinking, that is so weird. It's like, Mary, you got the angel. <laughs> you got, the angel showed up and told you that guy, your baby, is the one we even have songs. Mary, did you know? <laughs> you guys know that song. You know it's like a super popular song. Mary, did you know? I mean, so she actually knew. She knew up here. But while she's holding his baby, his glory is still not radiant to her. She knows up here. But now an old man walks in, where everything in life. Has been broken out, and he knows this is all that the world's got. And he picks up this baby. He says, he sees these so called nobody parents, and he does not care. He's like, this is our God and my salvation. And you know what? Mary and Joseph got there in a flash. He tasted. He knew its glory, and from his face and from his heart poured forth a beauty that they didn't yet know. <laughs> they didn't yet know, because to them, how could it be? <laughs> we're poor North Nobody knows we're anything. We're walking his temple. We're just another set of people. I mean, an angel came to the husband. The angel came to the wife. She knows this is a miraculous birth. It's like, well, we never had sex. Virgin birth. The birth happened in the presence of donkeys and low-class people. And they don't think anything special is going to happen. They're just being faithful. They're going to church. And someone walks in who knows life. And he sees this lowliness. And in this lowliness, he knows this is my consolation, my deepest hope. Let me tell you something. If your eyes are still fixed upon all the glories of the world, you just don't even know how to look in the right place. If you want to meet God, he comes very lowly form. Most of the churches in the world, they don't have nice buildings. There's all these little ch- churches in, in countries where the gospel is just starting to penetrate. And there's all these little people, little people, and they're just like Joseph and Mary. And They gather together in these rooms. Sometimes they're mud huts. Sometimes there's ten people gathered in an apartment. And they're afraid that the police are going to break down the door. So they can't sing too loud. But inside that room is the consolation of the whole world. Jesus Christ. And there are a few people like Simeon. They've gone through the life, and they're saying, "This is the most exciting thing right here in this room, with all these so-called nobodies." And if they they recognize Jesus and say, "This is my hope, and now I can die," <laughs> that's the drama of church. This is the temple. This is what happens in the temple? You know, the temple is—it's just a place where God dwells. This is the drama of church. And if you will come to church, and even though you know in your head, just like Joseph and Mary, but you'll start saying, Lord, break these glories and give me vision in the lowliness to see you. And let your glory start to fill my heart and give me a comfort and a consolation. That's far more than everything else I've ever, ever every little bling-bling I've been chasing that's the drama of church. And I hope in 2015, you will taste this glory. And all of you will get something of the glory of Simeon. You may feel like you are a nobody. and You may feel like God doesn't notice you. It's not true. It's not true. God has seen you. He gives you a son. And he'll give you the consolation of Israel to the good news that proclaims Jesus Christ. Let's pray and go to the table of the Lord.